see you've still got those cigarettes I gave you. I quit a long time ago. Maybe now's the time to start again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Request, a podcast where we discuss relationships in video games. I am Colin Detmar at Scanline Media. And I'm Jennifer Uncle, also from Scanline Media. So this week, I have brought for us a, uh, a relationship from, the, uh, from last year's visual novel, Valhalla. Uh, the relationship in question is between Stella Hoshi and Sei Asagiri. These are two patrons of the bar. They're two regulars. Um, Stella is a wealthy... Um, Socialite? Yeah, that's good. I was like, I don't know what to describe her employment as. That's a good that's a good way of putting it. Um and say is for most of the game a uh, a white knight which is actually in in this that's a organization that is like cops plus paramedics, but the whole game is a semi-dystopic cyberpunk setting. So it's not as simple as just like, oh, they're just they're just cops. It's great. Like, no, there's some there's some not great stuff going on there. So the two have known each other since they were they were quite young. Stella met Say when Stella, the rich girl Stella, asked her father to take her to a real kids park because she's you know sick of of, of Ivy Ivory Tower stuff, I guess. And they became fast friends. Um, and that bond became kind of uh more real when as as still fairly young a uh, a rogue white knight basically you know again white knight being like a law enforcement agency a rogue one uh came by their camp held them hostage and and kind of messed them up a little bit uh hurt hurt say kind of badly not too bad she recovered from it but uh stella gouged out her eye while holding them hostage um, and they were rescued, and this, they don't really get into why that all happened, but the experience led them to be a lot closer. Um, and, I don't know, Stella is, um, what, she, she seems to be working basically with, uh, like, a charity and, you know, as a C, like, as a corporate officer and stuff. You know, she's, she's a rich girl and she's doing rich girl things mostly. Yeah, non-profit of sorts. Mm -hmm. but it's she really um she seems like she's a really pretty a pretty decent person and she like she'll have conversations with a bunch of people in in the bar people will be like actually pretty rude to her at some points and she's pretty gracious about it um i think there's there's one point where she's arguing with someone and they call her like you know like like a stupid ignorant rich girl and she's like well there are a lot of things I don't know because of my position. That's fair to say. And it's like, God damn it. You're supposed to get angry. <laughs> um, and she worries a lot about Stella because she's caught up in, in the white knights, which is not a great organization. And that sort of all comes to a head when, um, some, some like proof of corruption, like, like systemic corruption, in the white knights comes out and people start, you know, striking out against the white knights and this ends up with say uh trapped in a bank 
uh, she is like say is one of the ones who's just a paramedic, right? Like, I mean, you know, she's she's a tough like to get into the White Knights at all. You have to be pretty tough. They they wear like power armor. They are they are tough. Yeah, but like Mercy uh, from Overwatch or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like it's you see her with her with her full gear on, like she could beat the shit out of Mercy, um, <laughs> and. She gets uh, trapped in this bank where, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's one of those things where because we're limited to this perspective of the, the player and because these characters are written f- pretty well, we don't ever find out exactly what happened in there because the characters that were there are not, they're, they're a little traumatized and they're not talking about it. But um, she's trapped in a bank for several days as, as shit goes real bad. And say who's always been like the kind of like the jokey one who's reassuring everyone because she's just you know kind and tough and and doesn't complain comes out and is just kind of a mess. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like their relationship. Uh, the this is one in errant instance where I feel like the game tries to paint the conclusion of the relationship as good, and I don't know that it's bad, but it's complicated. Because at the end of the game, it's like, well, okay, you had this whole thing happen to you. Like, you, you, you've been, you've been, you know, Stella's like, you did this, you know, you've been working for the White Knights, and this all went so bad, and you almost died, and it was awful. And, you know, like, I, I don't want to let you out of my sight. This is terrible. Um, why don't you, like, I'm rich. Why don't you work for me as a bodyguard, right? And certainly Say is qualified to do that. But the game doesn't really get into how unhealthy it is for your relationship to be working for your best friend. I, th- I think that was an excuse to get her to move in, more or less. Like, it was very clear that they already cared for each other on a deeper level than just friendship. So this was a sort of situation where, after seeing her get in such a hurt state... They were like, okay, I have a solution to get you out of this White Knight business because it's clearly all gone to hell, more or less. You need a job, and this is a way for us to, more or less, be both financially supportive and for you to basically just love me, more or less. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think... I think. Yeah, I, I worry about... Personally, I think people need a a good like a uh, a satisfying job, and it doesn't have to literally be like you know like oh you work for someone else, but need needs a satisfying task to do consistently in order to kind of stay sane, right? So I hope that like I don't think being the bodyguard to this rich girl who doesn't seem to really get any trouble, even even though they're friends, is gonna do it for her. And I hope like maybe she'll expand into also working for the nonprofit to an extent or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope it goes well for them. I like these characters, and uh, yeah, I I I thought it was. I hadn't thought of your take on it. My take was just sort of like, you know, it's nice that it's nice that you know she's okay and that they care about each other. But like, mm, I don't know that being a bodyguard to someone who doesn't need a bodyguard, who's also your best friend, is really gonna gonna be the change you need. Yeah, for sure. If it was just a, if it was just a strict friendship relationship then i could see it going a bit sour but 
I feel like they drop more than a few hints to suggest that the two are very interested in each other beyond friendship. They seem very close. I mean, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm asexual. I don't have the best sensors for this stuff. Um, and they certainly are very close friends. Um, it is entirely possible that they are uh, they are interested in being more involved in that or are more involved in that. It. I didn't. I wasn't clear on that personally. But fair. Anyway, what did you bring? Okay. Um. So I brought a. Uh... Raiden and Snake, specifically from Metal Gear Solid 2. Essentially, Raiden is this... They're pretty unclear at the start who he's with, more or less. He seems to be with the... Some form of the Colonel from Metal Gear Solid 1. But you basically get into a situation where he's... He's fresh out of VR training, unlike... The snake who basically lived a life of incredible hardship and he's he's a pretty decorated combat veteran they imply more than a few times though whether they actually gave him medals or not is debatable but the point is Raiden more or less is going into his first combat scenario or his first live combat scenario without much more than a series of virtual reality training in his head. And there's this there's this sense that he's a little too eager to get everything done. Like he seems to be very he seems to be very into what he's doing in a in a borderline creepy fashion. Meanwhile, Snake who kind of disguises himself as Iroquois Pliskin who basically comes in as one of the regular military members, sees who he, sees Ryan's greenhorn status almost immediately, and takes it upon himself to be his mentor, more or less, constantly helping him out through various situations, and also at the same time sort of testing him to see what he's capable of, and what his experience might be. Eventually you get to a point where they more or less spell out that Raiden was a child soldier, so even more... He kind of has even more in common with Snake than initially... They initially lead you to believe, since Snake was one of three clones of this original person, so... they're. There are these two people that have more or less spent their entire lives entangled in combat to varying degrees. Raiden is a lot... Since Raiden basically grew into it in a different way than Snake did, being a clone, he kind of just sees this as his thing, with a few instances of not remembering certain bits of his past. But the important thing to realize is that while Snake found a way out, more or less, Ryan doesn't seem to understand that there is a different life to lead beyond combat. And eventually, when things come to a head near the end, Snake pretty much spells it out for him, saying, you basically choose the life that you want to lead, and 
there are ways out of this specific scenario and everything is as val everything is whatever you choose will likely be just as valid as what the voice in your ear is telling you and you should probably stop relying on that voice in your ear as often mm-hmm. so you kind of get the sense of this you basically get to watch in real time this newbie get reborn into or at least you get you get the sense that he is finally learning how to step outside of virtual re- reality more or less since everything around him including everything that's currently happening was more or less set up for him and controlled by forces that he couldn't understand. So mm. basically the ending, well, Raiden's ending at this point is basically a call to arms saying, take control of your destiny and figure out what you want to do before someone else decides it for you. And I think, um, if I'm allowed to, to bring it into Metal Gear Solid 4 some, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 rightly calls into question sort of the way that's done. Um, and Metal Gear Solid 4, as, as things run away, Snake is, you know, once again called back into action. Um, even though he's, you know, he's on the verge, he's on, he's on death's door, he is now an old man, um, because of, you know, cloning technology not being great. Um, well, intentionally not great, I guess, <laughs> but, um, and so he's, you know, like, he's fighting, he's an old man, and... Raiden shows up and Raiden is is still fighting too. Raiden like it seemed like you you talk to talk to Raiden more, you talk to, you know, do some some codec calls, some classic codec calls and you find out that like okay, he gave the whole like just, you know, choose to live your life the way you want to thing a shot. Um he tried to settle down with Rose, his his girlfriend. Um and that didn't really work out um, because it turns out living a good life after having done nothing but kill people for like 20 something years is harder than someone just be- saying like, just follow your own destiny, you know, <laughs> and the game doesn't like focus on it. But the game does sort of take a moment to be like, yeah, that advice was like kind of cheap and hollow. Like it wasn't bad advice, but it was also kind of like, you know fucking back of a Cracker Jack box. Um, and to actually figure things out, it takes, it takes writing a lot more than that. He's, he's kind of, um, he's, he's in touch with his past, but he's kind of just like going around, like fighting, trying to do the right thing and sort of hoping that someone will kill him in the process. So he doesn't have to deal with this anymore. Um, and that relationship continues and sort of he gets he gets an opportunity to see see Snake, who is a train wreck, and be like, huh, I guess if I keep at it, I'm going to end up like you. And like, <laughs> you know, as as far as being like a good person that works, but like, mm, that's I don't know that I want to die old and alone on a battlefield. And he sort of has to to rethink some things, you know? Yeah, he basically started his life getting everything chosen for him, more or less, and naturally he falls back into that with the combat in 4, but uh, definitely seeing Snake in that condition is like, oh, I guess I'll... I guess I really should shape up and find something new. Yeah. 
All right, thanks everybody for joining us. This has been another episode of Friend Request. You can find us on iTunes if you want to give us a rating or review, or if you just want to tell a friend and spread the word. Help us get the podcast out to more people. If you like the work we do here, you can find us at scanlinemedia.com, where we have more podcasts and articles for you. And if you want to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. There you can chip in and help us cover more games and more equipment, so we can cover more things. None of it goes into our pockets. I want to give a big thank you to Krista Lee for use of her song Hearts Burning Bright off of the album Welcome to the Fantasy Zone. You can find that album and more of hers at opoorpop.bandcamp.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for liking.